Well, oh. start us off. Start us off. I, I, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> you having a stroke? No, I'm just trying <laughs> to copy you. I'm trying to be. Uh, we're trying to. We're trying to turn into a scroll version of you. Ah, uh, you're trying to. Um, yeah, trying to be a jackass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you've succeeded. Yeah. Um, no, listen, I want this. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get into it here, but I'm going to spring something on you that, I mean, you kind of already know about, but you don't know that it's coming. If, I mean, if that makes any sense, I don't know. It all makes sense in a minute. Well, but until that time. Spring. Hello and welcome to the Movie Men podcast. Dubby team. Uh, that's Carl. And uh, that over there is, um, uh, shoot, names. Uh, damn. Thomas, John, George. Oh, no, it's Brady. It's Brady. I remember. I mean, uh, there wasn't that many guesses. Like, if you didn't know, and the fourth one that you are landing on is Brady, then that's... That's still impressive. Pretty good. Like, I can't even. Yeah. I'm not even offended by that. Um, <laughs> it's our weekly movie news show, and yeah, it uh, is. we got some topics that we're going to work through today. Some things going on in the world of movie news, um, including at the end of the show today, the final moment. Finally, the moment that we've been waiting for, where speculation and wondering starts to turn into fact in terms of some future DCU casting. So stick yeah. around for that. <clears throat> but before we get into any of that, Carl, I want you <clears throat> to talk to me about Futurama because you sent me an article this week. Yeah. That Futurama, something about Futurama is happening, and I don't feel, and we'll get into my history with Futurama, but essentially I don't feel qualified to head this this conversation up. So I'm putting this into your lap. Talk to me about. You didn't even. It's not even on the show notes. You just you're just boing, Carl. Do that's part of the that's part of the spring it on you. <laughs> All right. I put it on the so, show notes. It's not like it, you know, if we, you can't be like, okay, children, on Friday we're having a pop quiz. <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> All right. So, for those that have been living under a rock for the last, I don't know, uh, what would that be? 20, 10, 14 years, uh, Futurama. Futurama was created by Simpsons creator Matt Groan Groan Groaning Groaning Grogan Matt it was created by Matt something <laughs> I think it's uh, Groaning and it says here 20 1999 and you know when it came out some people didn't think it was as good as Simpsons and others thought it was as good or better and it it uh it definitely grew into its own beast, its own thing, its own amazing thing. And I think, you know, like when you think of, when I think about like, like 
the only other kind of comparison to this I can think of in terms of like a, a family slash adult cartoon evening cartoon that the creator went on and kind of created a second adult family cartoon would be um, Seth MacFarlane with Family Guy and then American Dad. And then the Cleveland show. And then he the did Cleveland it show. Twice. But then all three yeah. of those are like, they're pretty much the exact same show. They're, like, they're uh, so similar. I, I would say Cleveland shows a departure for sure. But American Dad and Family Guy. I mean, I've watched well, all of about two episodes of American Dad over the course of my entire yeah. life. So I can't like, comment the way, on it too the way much, the but jokes it's a similar. And the way the, yeah. the humor is, it's all pretty... Now, jokes hitting and humor hitting for Futurama Simpsons, that's fairly similar. But, like, huge departure in kind of theme, which allows him to to land, to, to set up and land completely different jokes that he never would be able to run, do on Simpsons. Well, it's just a wildly different setting. Yeah. Wildly. Because <laughs> it takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's, oh, man, it's such a good show. I I've seen all of it it's really good and it actually unlike the simpsons which is still running it came to an end it it mm. had a a, a fine a, a, an ending it, it did finished. it had like as in like the show just stopped airing or was there like a story there was a bookend there was it, like it a, was it was bookended it it ended yeah. and uh, uh let me While, while you're looking that up, because yeah, so my my experience is I've seen, man, I don't even know how many seasons there are. I've seen probably two seasons, probably the first two seasons at one point. I think it was on Netflix or something, and I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to watch Futurama, um, and then just kind of stopped for you know one reason or another. So sort of something else caught my attention, or or whatever it was, and. I enjoyed it. I mean, I watched two seasons of it, so I was into it enough to to keep trucking along as long as I did. But I didn't ever... I don't think I reached the point where I could consider myself a Futurama fan. Um, and still definitely always like never saw it to be the masterpiece that I thought the first couple of seasons of the Simpsons were like, if we're comparing first seasons to first seasons. Um, And so, yeah, I just didn't get, I didn't get into it. I didn't, you know, uh, enough that I didn't get into it enough that when you sent me the, um, the article this week, I got excited. Like you sent me the article and literally my mindset was, oh yeah, okay. That's interesting. (laughs) But I wasn't like, oh my God, here we go. Like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it bookended. Um, The last episode aired in 2003. Final episode date. August 10th, 2003. So it, it had a pretty good run and like, yeah, I really liked it. So this news is fun. 
and it'll be the way the the so the, but the you haven't actually came, wh- you haven't actually uh, said what the news is my friend oh there's a new there's a new season they're making new new seasons <laughs> new episodes yay yeah. but the way the last episode ran was it's like farnsworth made this uh button that caused you to go back in time a couple seconds or something and then something catastrophic happens and it creates like this space time thing and essentially um every time freezes except for uh fry and uh what's her name leela leela uh leela 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 okay so fry and leela are the only ones that don't get frozen and over the course of the the whole the whole show fry's got this like huge crush on leela and tries to win her over and so they're stuck in time together and they end up kind of having a relationship and falling in love and <laughs> and then they're like about to die of old age and farnsworth like comes through this portal and is like hey let's fix this thing get in the time portal and we'll fix it and they kind of it, it ends with them go kind of having a conversation like well if we're gonna start over I'd, i'll start over with you and gonna so that the implication of it is that the end of the end of the uh last episode is kind of the beginning of the first kind of you jump back to the beginning and you watch it over and watch it all happen again so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that in the first episode or two (laughs) and uh yeah i'm looking forward to it it'll be fun Mm -hmm. so it sounds like yes they bookended but they also left it like it it doesn't sound like a new season is going to be shoehorned in. Like if they pick up where they left off, then this makes total logical sense. Like there's a story to tell here. Yeah. Yeah. So the news new episode, I think is like end of July. The first air airing of the new season. Yeah. And it's all original cast and everything. Which I found out a funny story. Like apparently the guy who voices Fry, the way like apparently it's it's hard for other voice actors to imitate that voice because he doesn't use a voice. He just uses his normal speaking voice, which most voice right. actors don't do. So I think he he alters it a tiny bit, but it's not like he's yeah, it's not like he's putting on a big. Apparently he doesn't alter it hardly at all though. So it's hard, like, because he doesn't alter his voice, it's, it makes it harder for people to imitate it. Oh, you're saying Fry. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry. I was thinking Bender, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty Bender. sure he alters that. No, the, like, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, okay, a, it's okay. a fun little inside story I learned about a little while back. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Cool. That's, cool. Yeah, that's fun news for me. All right. Well, let's dive into the rest of the topics we have. So last week... We talked about the fact that Marvel was playing hooky when it comes to Comic-Con this year. The MCU specifically. The MCU. Marvel Studios. Yes. And, I I mean, it is a movie podcast, so it could be inferred, but thank you. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um... 
and we talked about like you know what does that mean what does that mean for for dc essentially well we're like what does it mean for marvel and basically you know we kind of arrived at the conclusion that well i mean marvel's a hot mess right now and the mcu kevin feige in the past has made it perfectly clear he kind of made the promise you know unless we've got something to unless we really feel like we've got something to present we've got something to offer we're not going to come to comic-con like we're not going to show up and just be there for the sake of being there we're going to come if we got something to you know knock your pants off with and clearly they don't have that this year because they've said hey we're we're not coming (laughs) yeah we're not coming um so that's fine and we talked about what does that mean for dc right and dc's ability to now swoop in and and just take full advantage of the fact that all eyes are on them well but <laughs> now we've gotten word that dc is also not attending yeah <laughs> Not only is DC not attending, Netflix, Sony, HBO, Universal, nobody's going to Comic-Con. <laughs> like, literally, nobody's going to Comic-Con. No cinematic stuff is going to Comic-Con. Yeah, and so, you know what, last week, the news and the question was kind of, so what does this mean for DC? And what does this mean for Marvel? And this week, I think the question very clearly is, what does this mean for Comic-Con? Now, we've seen in the last little while, um, especially, like, particularly in the video game industry, that there have been more and more sort of age-old conventions or annual events or whatever it is where big studios um, or regular regular exhibitors say, hey, you know, we don't see value in coming, uh, so we're not going to. And then within a year or two, those annual events or those conventions or whatever they are sort of pack up shop because, well, you have to. Right. If you don't have, if the people who you are, who fans are excited to see, if, if the reasons why fans are going to be buying tickets aren't going to be a Comic Con, then fans don't buy tickets. Your Comic Con attendance numbers drop massively. And that's a big financial blow for something like Comic-Con. And you can only keep that up for so long, right? Maybe, you know, you can probably throw it again next year and hope, hope to hell that all the people who aren't coming this year are going to come back to you next year and you'll be able to right the ship and you'll see this as a little bit of a little bit of a blip on the map, kind of a financial blow, but it's not the end of Comic-Con but if next year comes and hardly any exhibitors, like cinematic exhibitors, are going to Comic-Con, I, it might be a death sentence. Now, I get that Comic-Con is, has other things, right? They have, 
comic book people there, and your your hot toys people are there, and your um, you've got all your meet and greets and and panels of like you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a panel where you're making big announcements and you're showing new trailers and you're doing all these things in order for for Michael J. Fox and and Christopher Lloyd to be there. But I would argue, and I don't, I don't have numbers in front of me to confirm or deny this, but my suspicion would be that the fans that are buying Comic-Con tickets to get into those Hall H presentations to see what Disney's bringing next, to see what Universal's bringing next, to see what Sony is doing with the Spider-Verse that they've got going on. If I had to guess, I would say it's not an insignificant percentage of Comic-Con's patrons. And so I do think that something like this is going to be a big blow, a really big blow to Comic-Con. What, what, uh, give me a percentage in your best guess. What would you assume the percentage? My best guess, I would say maybe 40%. Really? I would say that 40% of the people who attend regularly are doing so in order to benefit in some way from one of these, from something that one of these studios is bringing, whether it be Stranger Things with Netflix, or it be MCU stuff, or it be Star Wars stuff, or it be um, I mean, DC stuff, right? For those big moments where Henry Cavill appears on stage or... John Krasinski, it's never going to happen, but appears on stage and yes, I am officially Reed Richards and you know, like whatever it is, those big moments. I think, I think it's a big percentage, not half. I won't say half. I won't say over half, but I, I would, I would guess that it could get pretty close to about 40%, 40% of the people who aren't there exclusively for those things. But see those things, see the the movie studio presentations and their presence there in general as enough of enough of a, a draw, enough of of what it is that they're looking forward to, that if all of a sudden none of that is a part of Comic-Con moving forward, they are going to question whether tickets and the hotel and the flight and the, you know, like whatever it is, spend a lot of money on this, whether or not that's all worth it. I really do. I really, really do. Wow. Cynic over here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, have you ever, first of all, I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, I've, there's Comic-Cons here, there, and everywhere, but San Diego is kind of, I mean, that is- Have you been to any kind of convention like that? 
comic book convention specifically? I have not. I have not. No convention whatsoever like that. Not a not okay. a like pop okay. culture one, no. I think that is why you're you have such a negative outlook on this. Because okay. I hear this news and I and I see this and it's like, okay, that's that hurts the the convention. But this isn't like E3 not having Sony come or and Microsoft. Right? If Sony and Microsoft pull out of E3, then that's like they're two of the biggest three names in in video gaming mm-hmm. not showing up to your convention that is yep. specifically about video games. Right? That that would be a big blow. And and that's essentially why E3 is not a thing anymore because the big names of video gaming have decided to um, do their own thing under their own timeline. This isn't the same thing, not even close. Because people that go to Comic Con, people that go to these conventions, there will be there'll be some that are going nowadays specifically for these big reveal panel uh, cinematic universe stuff. Yep. But the vast majority are going for multiple reasons. Agreed. And it's, it's, it's a very diverse crowd. Like you're saying, you think 40% of the people are going because of cinematic universe stuff. I'm saying, I'm saying 40% of them. uh, Again, that that's not the sole reason they're going. But, but that that one. is a big highlight for yeah. them, and I but would say that that part even that even that if, if is a stretch, right? Because the 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 diversity of what's being on on offer there is so great, right? Mm-hmm. So there's comic books, there's anime, there's there's going to be a little bit of board games, probably a little a teeny bit of uh, video game stuff, probably, but it's like the 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 culture it's like it's like a culture show it's not a specific um part of culture show like e3 no for was. sure so i think that percentage that you're you're assuming is 40 i would say it's no higher than 10 10 i think that might be a stretch i'd be no. willing to meet you more in the middle no because for most people that are going for most people that are going the fact that there's this MCU content is is an addition to the other reasons why they're going. Right, the which is what I said not, still. The fact that it's not there isn't going to stop them from going at all. No, I and I don't, again, I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know that it, again, I don't know that, that for the 40% that I'm proposing, this is just like 40% of the people who are going are interested in and are hoping to catch some of something from one of these studios, right? From one of the, because maybe you're, you know, you're a big, you're big into anime and cosplay and, and all of these things but you also consider yourself the world's biggest Stranger Things fan, right? And so that Netflix presentation 
even if you're watching it from the outside on the screens, you, you know, blah, 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 hoping to catch a glimpse of Millie Bobby Brown and, and whatever else. Because what you lose is now I, and maybe I said this incorrectly, I was like, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have your Michael J. Fox and, and, and your whoever else. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, Back to the Future is a universal product. And if Universal is not going to Comic-Con, I don't know that you get a, a, a Back to the Future meet and greet. You, right? Like, with the these studios The actors would act leaving. on their own according to, in, when it comes to this kind of thing. But, but there might be some sort of legal licensing thing. There usually isn't. Like, so a good example would be, um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Bruce Campbell. There it is. Came mm -hmm. Bruce Campbell, one of his most iconic roles is Ash Williams. Sure. Right? He has no right. Like, he's been kind of wanting his character to be in the Mortal Kombat franchise for ages. But mm -hmm. he has no say. He doesn't have any rights to the character. But he's always showing up to comic cons and conventions to do meet and greets and autograph signings and stuff because the studio doesn't have any rights to tell him where he can and can't go and what he can and can't R sign. Right. Right. What he can't talk about. He does all kinds. Like, I've, I've sat in on a panel with him talking about Evil Dead and other stuff in, at a Toronto Comic Con. Mm -hmm. So these actors, like some of the actors that are, if, if they're a bigger name actor, right? So like the bigger stars from Stranger Things, for example, you brought up Stranger Things, they might not show up because they'll have a schedule and they're busy and it's not worth their time. But some of the lesser known, some of the, the other actors there will probably show up because it's an easy buck. Or, the, or they just For simply sure. like the community and like meeting with their fans. And, you know, so it's for, from my perspective, having been to these things and kind of being around the crowd that uh, comes, the ex there is an added excitement to having um, a big, a bigger draw, like a bigger attraction. Mm -hmm. but Ben Affleck's there or, yeah, or, or, or the MCU is yeah. going to have a panel reveal, a reveal panel. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's a draw. Absolutely. But there is so much other stuff happening mm -hmm. that even though that might be the big draw for that year, if it's not there next year, it's not going to stop people from coming. It's still right. going to be a massive event and they're, they're not going to, it's not the, all these cinematic uh, organizations pulling out isn't going to hurt them that much. They're now, not, they're would not you in trouble? Would you concede that <laughs> nowadays? I mean, if you look at Comic Con, like how long has Comic Con been running? When did Comic Con start? I don't know. Because Probably this it was back in the eighties, I'd assume. Okay, so let's go back to like late nineties, early two thousands. The Comic Con landscape would have looked vastly different than it does now, simply because, in terms of film studios, because that genre of film... 70s. Oh, wow. That genre of film, back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, comic book films, um, or just like, you know, fan 
not not an event. Quality was definitely lower. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the quality was lower, and it wasn't. It wasn't cool. Yeah. Right. Like a superhero movie was more of a a guilty pleasure. It wasn't a big publicly accepted and celebrated genre. It was you know, and so now, like. And so nowadays, so back then, if you were sort of a nerdy fan, your chances of being a nerdy fan that got into being a nerdy fan as a result of films was was very low, right? If you were a fan back then, you were a fan because of the comics, you were a fan maybe because of the, car- the Sunday morning cartoons. You were a fan of, like, whatever. But you weren't... They're, they're, the percentage of people who were showing up at Comic-Con because of, you know, Thomas Jane's Punisher movie or David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury, like, those those were, were pretty low. That was pretty low. You weren't getting into being a comic book fan through film. Now... I would say that that's that, that pendulum has swung quite a bit, and I think there's a lot of people who are getting into this type of world, into our world, through either the MCU or the DCEU or um, you know the like Walking Phoenix Joker movies or whatever, just because it's a much more accessible, much more popular, much more. You know, it, it, it's an easy stepping stone for a lot of people. Ah, yeah. I'm going to go see the new Marvel movie. So is there a possibility if if these studios pulling out? Now, I'm not saying that they're not going to come back. But if they didn't, if this year set a precedent moving forward for what Comic-Con will look like from now on, that, you know, the, the, the Hall H presentations are essentially a thing of the past. And Comic-Con now has very little to do with film and upcoming movies and and sort of that excitement. Does it have the potential to hurt the numbers of new customers to Comic-Con? If what you're saying... Like, if we take what you're saying to be, like, that's what's going to happen, right? Oh, um, yeah, just speculating. I, yeah, speculation. I would say, yeah, okay, let's assume numbers drop because these these organizations, these companies never come back. I still don't think you're going to – it's not going to kill Comic-Con. It will be – it will look smaller. Right. And it will still get lots of new people coming through. But it won't kill it, and I and I say I can say that with one hundred percent confidence because all the conventions that happen up here in our great white north southern Ontario, <laughs> like none of them have these big reveals like this. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just fans of the content coming together under one roof to celebrate what they love to. Uh, talk to some people that are professionally involved in what they love and, and to meet them and to get some autographs. And you know, you know what I mean? Like none of it has to do like all this, these 
big presentations and these big reveals, they're just they're just bonuses to to why people are going. Mm-hmm. That that's it. Yeah, that, that's all okay. it is, right? So you're not, okay. it's not going to kill it because that's not what it at its heart. That's not what comic cons are about. That's not what these conventions are about. Right. Right. Okay, well, I mean, ultimately, only time will tell. Um, but I do see merit in, you know, like, ultimately, I don't think Comic-Con's going to come to an end. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see what happens to the numbers, right? Like, if if these studios do pull out, then in the next, like, moving forward indefinitely, then in the next couple of years, we'll get a real sort of indication and, and sort of a clear concept of just how much of the um just how much of the attendance just how much of the allure of a comic-con was these big studios that'll be the only way to really know those numbers for sure is to see sort of what what kind of impact it does have yeah so cool all right moving on a new trailer has dropped. The first trailer has dropped for the upcoming Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Now, Five Nights at Freddy's in the world of horror video games kind of somehow became the like premier like everybody knows about Five Nights at Freddy's even if you're not into horror yeah. games. Some you've cheeky, know, you know cheap of it. little the web browser little game. indie game yeah yep that somehow just propelled itself catapulted itself into major success um and there's been numerous numerous sequels to it over the years now i have i don't i haven't played it i've watched a couple of people on like some funny youtube gamers um that i enjoy i've watched them play it yeah um I'm same and even then, I mean, what's entertaining to me, I don't dislike a horror survival-esque kind of, like, I'll play those games. Ooh, I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I just, I don't know, even in the videos that I've watched of people playing them, when the video is entertaining and I'm enjoying watching, it's not because of the game or the gameplay. It's because the the game, the player, the commentator is making it enjoyable and exciting. So that's just to say that right off the bat, I, this is not. I'm not the demographic. I'm not the psychographic for this film. Having said that, I watched the trailer anyways because I was like, "Oh, this is cool! I didn't even know this was coming." This, I don't know. Here's the thing. When you are making a film, and the film is a, a spinoff or an adaptation or a whatever it is of a video game or a book or a comic book or whatever, of a property from a different type of media that people know and love. You have two responsibilities. Responsibility number one is to make that 
product that that film that you're making a love letter to the fans of the original content. You don't have to give them a carbon copy of what the original content is because it's boring. They've already read that, watched it, played it, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But you have to, you have to. It has to be a love letter to them. You have to tell them, "Hey, we get it. We get yeah. the excitement of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. We it's get what it's all about." Respect and honor, kind of the the source material. Yes, the other th- super important and almost arguably more important not by much but you know if we're if we're putting these things on a scale here you have to make a good movie you have to make a really good movie because i'll tell you right now you can make something that like you know is a love letter to the you know gets everything right but it's just a shit film and the fans are, you know, you'll have a couple of people that are like, oh, I don't care how bad it is. It's a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. I love it. But even the people who really love Five Nights at Freddy's are going to be insulted by it. They're going to be hurt by it. It's going to be like, they're not going to like it. Yeah. Even if it's wishing faithful. and wanting for something better. Yes. For a good movie. On the opposite side of that, you could play it a little more loose and wild with some of the details. You could take a little more liberties. You could change some of the source material. But if you make a really good movie, like if if on its own it stands as a great film, then you'll find not all of the fans, but some of those fans are going to be willing to accept the changes you've made because they're like, yeah, you know what? I wish they'd done this and this, but it's still a really good movie. I watched this trailer. This trailer to me looks like a love letter to the fans. This movie looks like someone who's played the game inside and out and... Read up on the lore... Yeah, and, and for the a animatronics. Web game, there's apparently an absurd amount of lore. <laughs> oh, really? Apparently, the yeah. the the visuals look right. The set pieces look right. The animatronics, like everything, like it just looks like Five Nights at Freddy's. It also looks really lame. <laughs> like. I don't know if I if I take out the Five Nights at Freddy's aspect. If I take out the oh this is <clears throat> this is cool because it's like this this tie in to Five Nights at Freddy's and and oh I you know I recognize that animatronic that's the one from the from the game cover you know whatever it is. It just doesn't look like a good movie. It looks surprisingly low budget poorly acted it just i don't know it seems like a low budget bone that's being thrown to the fans without taking the time and maybe the talent that is required in order to actually make a good movie um so this is the type of movie where people from the game people who've played the game 
are going to go see the movie and you probably won't attract that many more people. Versus if you do this right, had they done it right, if it's done right, you'll have an amazing horror film that is going to bring in new customers for the game. People are going to go, oh, this is a game franchise too, eh? And then they're going to go play it. Anyways, Carl, now that I've poo-pooed all over this, and I know that you're not a horror fan. Like, I know that you're also not the clientele for this film. But what are your thoughts on the trailer with the knowledge and and the exposure that you've had to Five Nights at Freddy's via it being through playing or via be through... Um, watching other people play on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Well, I mean, you sent me the trailer, and initially I was confused because I was like, didn't they just make this like a few years ago? Why are they remaking this already? That seems weird that they would remake something they already made. And we had a little conversation about this because there is a, a movie that came out two years ago with this exact same concept starring the one and only Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And it's called Willie's Wonderland. And it's literally the exact same kind of concept, animatronic uh, creatures that were once these like joyous little animatronics at a kid's pizza parlor, Chuck E. Cheese place uh, are now murderous animatronic zombie ghost things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's that's like the concept for both of these movies, but so they're, clearly they're, someone who didn't have the rights for Five Nights at Freddy's, but thought it would make a good film, and wasn't either couldn't get the rights or didn't want to spend the money to get the rights, yeah. and we're like, okay, well, we'll just change it enough, we'll call it something different, and we'll make a movie anyways. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I was a little confused. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I watched the trailers for both, and I I think. Like, based on the trailers alone and trying to, like, objectively remove myself from the love I have for Nick Nick Cage, Willy's Wonderland looks way better than Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. It looks way more entertaining as a movie, even though I don't really like this genre of movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you were to watch one, it'd be Willy's Wonderland. Based on the trailer, yeah. I haven't seen either. Yeah, I also find it interesting because the trailer for Willy's Wonderland, it looks like Nicolas Cage doesn't say anything all movie. He looks like he's just really? this quiet. In the trailer, he doesn't say a word. He just kind of screams and hollers and beats things up. So it, it seems like, to me, he's like this quiet, unspoken protagonist, which which is That's- even more alluring for me to find out if that is the case. Yeah, because that's an interest. That's interesting for someone like Nick Cage. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not keen on it. I've never played the games. Um, I think I'd rather watch Willy's Wonderland over Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? If in a year and a half or whatever it is, if this thing ends up on Netflix or or the likes, if it ends up on a streaming service that I have. I may throw it on at some point. Like if I see it pop up, I might be like, oh, right. That's that movie Carl and I talked about. 
Let's uh let's let's see how bad it is. But outside of that, I mean I don't know. It does. It seems like it seems like something that they were just kind of throwing together for the fans but not actually not actually preoccupied with the idea of making a good movie. You know? Yeah. Like Yeah, it almost felt like, you know, it, you know you're at like Disneyland or like Universal Studios and there's that movie tie-in ride that you know, they've got a little bit of extra backstory that, you know, the ride sort of acts as a sequel to the movie or something like that. And so when it starts, there's like, you know, oh, the actors from the original have shot a couple more, a couple more scenes, the little, little short film that intros the, the, the ride that you're about to go on. That's what this feels like to me. That's the quality that it feels like to me. Yeah. That just this kind of like <laughs> nobody hopeful. actually tried or can't. Or, and I mean, I, I don't know that. Maybe they yeah. did try. <laughs> yeah. I think the other part of like, and this kind of goes again, why I think why the Willy's Wonderland trailer looks better too is, is kind of what you're saying, I think. Because the Five Nights at Freddy's looks like it's taking itself very seriously. Yes. Right. Like these things do come to life. They are possessed by dead children or whatever. Where Willie's Wonderland is, is, is kind of a typical grindhouse film and it doesn't take itself seriously. So those, those lack of quality things that you're talking about only add to the charm of the film because the film right. itself doesn't take it seriously. Yeah, it knows what it is. But it, yeah. yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. It almost feels like this Five Nights at Freddy's film doesn't know that it's swimming in the wrong pool. Yeah, it's it should be like a grindhouse film and it's taking itself seriously to be like a, a, a traditional horror film. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, moving on. Uh, Secret Invasion is here. Yeah. It's happening. Have you been invaded? Uh, oh, I tried to invade you, and it wasn't working, so. Right. <laughs> well, that's because I wouldn't download whatever game that was on Steam that you wanted me to play. Yeah. Also, banana, apparently, banana I can't invasion or something. you unless I'm a scroll. so. Yeah. I'm not a scroll. Um, you, you can trust me. Wink, wink. So, Secret <laughs> Invasion is here, and you and I have started our weekly review of it, and... Spoiler alert, we've both been enjoying it been so far. It. <laughs> it's been great. And think that it's one of the best things that the MCU has put out in a, in a hot minute in mm -hmm. terms of TV anyways. Yeah. Um, but the numbers are in. The numbers are in. 994,000 US households tuned into episode 1 of Secret Invasion. Well, what does that mean? It sounds like that's it's a pretty good number. It's almost a million people. That makes it the second lowest tune-in for an episode one of any Marvel show. 
the lowest being Miss Marvel with 775,000. Second lowest. Even She-Hulk had 1.5 million viewers. Mm. Loki had 2.5, but I mean, that's Loki, right? And that's something that I... uh, That's something that I kind of want to ask is what... What do you think it is that is hurting this show? And I think it could be two things. I have two theories. Hmm. My mind is it goes to two two things too. Yeah, so I'm going to throw these two at you, and you tell me what you think of them, and maybe you have one that I don't. Number one, I think that Secret Invasion, although it's... Nick Fury's face on the box, Secret Invasion is just not something that people <laughs> on its on its surf on the surface on the face, it's it's not something that that has one of the super big popular characters in it. Mm. And it seems and feels from the outside looking in like it could be a little more Okay niche right yep. like it's not yep. it's not like wandavision wandavision has two big names right in the title falcon and winter soldier hawkeye the previously mentioned loki right those are shows that tell you right off the bat this is about that character that you know and love and although you know, Nick Fury's been around since the beginning. He's only ever been an auxiliary character at best. Right? He's not yeah. in a lot his, of them. His biggest role was in The Avengers. I mean, I think he has more... I would say his biggest role was in Captain America Winter Soldier. I think he's got more screen time in that than than anything else but yeah but either way if we're going based on screen time then it's obvious then then it would be captain marvel uh well yes then it's captain marvel for sure um but uh, he's never a part of the final fight he's never you know he's just not he's not an avenger he's not he's not part of the final two fights right like he he shows up as almost an afterthought and he's there at the funeral an endgame. No, it, it like when the snap happens. No, I know. That's like, what I'm saying. He's not there for the initial thing, and then you see a post credit scene and he's off somewhere else and he gets snapped. Yeah. And then when he comes back and endgame happens, he's not there on the battlefield because no. he'd be useless. Yeah. I'm he'd saying he's not apart. on either battlefield in either yeah. of the two parts of the movie. But yeah, and he, so, we're, we're in agreement. Yeah, he's just So yeah. I think I think that is definitely hurting it. That it's, you know, it's just not one of the bigger. The other is I think that Marvel has given themselves sort of a shitty runway. Yeah. I think that fans. That's that's one of mine. (laughs) Are feeling burnt. Yeah. And are over it. And I've heard people. Burnt and burnt out. Yes. But here's the thing. And this is important. Because there's a lot going around about superhero movie fatigue. Yeah. Right. People are talking about the idea of, you know, are well, are fans just 
oversaturated? Is it too much? Is it is it superhero fatigue? Are we wanting less superhero movies? And what I submit is no. I don't think that superhero movie fatigues is a thing. What I think is a thing is bad movie fatigue. Because here's the thing, uh, you could put out yeah. three you could put out three movies a year as Marvel. Four movies, you could put out five movies a year. And if every single one of those movies was mind-blowing incredible, Nobody would be having this conversation. Yes, it'd be a lot. It'd be a lot of content. But nobody would be going, oh, I, you know, we're kind of feeling some superhero fatigue here. No, you wouldn't. You would go, oh, man, like, what a time to be alive. It's amazing. It's like, I can't believe this one was even better than the last. I can't believe it. Right. What is a thing is bad superhero movie fatigue. Is Is our ability to sort of take one in the cheek and turn the other cheek and keep going. It, our ability to say, you know what? That one wasn't as good, but I'm not giving up on them. That, that'll burn you out pretty quick. And I think that that is what's been happening. Because we got a lot of, we had like 10 years, 10 plus years of the MCU. Lots of movies. Yeah. All the movies. And not once did people say, "Right, we're getting kind of tired of this because it was so good." But yeah, now, I, I think post I can, Endgame, yeah. when it's not so good, that's when people are going, "Maybe we're just over superhero films." No, 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 you're over bad superhero films. Yeah, and me I, too. I think I can get behind that theory. Yeah, I can. I can shift my uh, in behind stroke my second world off, which was close to to get, to get behind that. But I think, I think it also comes down to like it, the too too much of it is also still a part of that equation because they're trying to push qu qu quantity over quality. Yes, and they need to flip that script because <clears throat> early MCU we didn't get we got like one maybe two a year, and mm -hmm. for the most part they were all bare minimum good. There was one, maybe two exceptions in the first two or three phases up, up to up to Endgame, up to yep. the last finale of the Thanos story arc, overarching story arc. There was maybe, what, with Dark World and, I don't know, there might be another one in there that were, were flops, would be considered bad mm -hmm. films. All the other ones, even if they weren't, amazing they were still good like a lot of people look down on iron man 3 but it's still a good superhero film I, it, i've always been an iron man 3 defender I, I like that movie i don't like the extremist storyline but in terms okay. of tony stark's story oh, and his man. kind of the way his story arc plays out over the three and the third one specifically it it, it is a very good watching tony stark watching film. robert downey jr portray panic attacks on screen could be the greatest acting moment in all of the MCU, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, so, it's just so good. Yeah. My, my biggest issue with that film <clears throat> was how was the um, 
antagonist and the extremist thing. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel how I didn't really wasn't a fan of how that played out, but as a film overall, I still think it was really good. Right. Okay. I don't think it was like Iron Man one or, or, you know, like the guardians of the galaxy level. Amazing. Right. But it was still, right. it was still a good superhero film. I would not put it anywhere near Thor dark world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, so, but, but yeah, I think that still comes down to like, there was fewer films coming out. So there's more time to get hyped. There's more time for production to make sure it's a good quality story and a good quality acting and good quality effects and all that stuff. Right. Like if that kind of production was put into Ant-Man quantum mania, we, we probably would have had a more menacing, uh, Modoc instead of the goofball that he turned into the punchline mm-hmm. that he was the, the horrible film it turned out to be <laughs> right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like how many films and that was this Ant-Man came out this year and we've got what, three, four other Marvel m- movies, just movies coming out on top of that TV shows. Right. right. So I think there is, I think you're, you're right. It's probably more burnout on bad Right. If where if these uh, um, iterations were were uh, good, we probably wouldn't yeah. feel the same way. But I think it they they need to definitely tone down. They need to stop pushing it as the content as much. Which we've it, heard that's what they're doing. Yeah, and we've seen you know we've already seen action that they're like, hey, you know those five things we said were coming out this year, and uh, they're actually going to come out next it's year and the following back. year. Yeah. yeah. I also don't know that, like, you know, so many people want, you know, the Black Widow movie. We finally need a Black Widow movie. We needed this. We needed that. I don't know that I've ever heard someone pining over the the Nick Cage movie or Nick Cage, Nick Fury. Yeah. Right? Like, I just don't know. I've heard, and I myself have been in the camp of, like, I would love to see Secret Invasion. That's that story arc. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. But, um, yeah, and I think, like, one of the, I, – I, I, I think it's less of a people – my, like, so your first one, like, who who wants Nick Cage on screen was your kind of first thought. Um, I, th- I think it's less that, and I would say my second one would be more similar to why Black Widow didn't do well is that it's the wrong time. It should have came yeah. sooner. Right? It should have came when when Nick Fury had had more screen time in the main MCU events. It should have came closer to Captain Marvel so that the scrolls were were more familiar to mm-hmm. us, right? Um but yeah, like, because we've seen the scrolls pop up once in an after credit scene of a Spider-Man film, two Spider-Man films ago, right? Like, it should have came shortly after that Spider-Man film. Yeah, realistically, and, and I mean, you know, I get it's just a it's just a Disney Plus show. The budget isn't there. You can't bring everybody in, but like, yeah, I mean, Secret Invasion in the comics, you've got. Iron Man's yeah. a part of that. 
Uh, you've got Captain Marvel's a part of that. You Captain America's there. Doctor Strange, like yeah. it's 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 one of those full blown. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like the Fantastic Four is also a part of it. Like, uh, yes, I was doing some kind and of the just browsing about. Yeah, the X Men. I was browsing kind of some uh, story points and just whatever. And apparently, like the Skrulls capture Reed Richards and are like torturing him and stretching him out and trying to they because they don't like him for some reason <laughs> so right yeah like he apparently he's a big part in that uh, whole story arc so yeah yeah so anyways yeah i it's hard to say but it's it is the second lowest and and i yeah i think uh i think more weight can be just put on that like stuff's just been bad lately and so I think people yeah. are less inclined. You've burned some bridges. You yeah. don't have the trust that you did. Yeah. I mean, realistically, this story arc could have been the big bad story arc for the next couple phases of Marvel. Absolutely. And it would have been insane. Yeah. And they they're boiling it down into a six episode miniseries. <laughs> if you if we had had two whole phases of Marvel, right? Like eight years of film where you didn't know who was who. Like you didn't know if you could actually trust that the person that you think you're seeing on screen is that person as opposed to a scroll. Yeah. If Sam, the Falcon slash Captain America was a scroll, like, (laughs) yeah, that'd be a scroll. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be crazy. All right. Anyways, moving on to sort of a bummer of a topic. Um, a couple of days ago, the actor, the wonderful, incredible actor, Alan Arkin, passed away at the age of eighty-nine. Now, eight, I, you know, eighty-nine is the guy lived a life, right? Eighty-nine is not young. But it's still, I don't know. I saw this and I was just like, man, Alan Arkin's kind of one of those guys that you don't think about in terms of like how many years he's got left. You just, Alan Arkin is just, you just kind of think he's always going to be there popping up and stuff. Um, So I just want to take a minute and go through like what, Carl, what are some of your favorite Alan Arkin you know what's maybe the first thing you remember seeing him in and and yeah what's your favorite Alan Arkin performance uh well my memory on that kind of thing is not great <laughs> right so this actually this this actually feels like deja vu for me a little bit because I did recently watch something of his uh and it was the TV show The Kaminsky Method. Right. Uh, and so me and my wife, we really enjoyed this show. And in the show, spoiler, wait a few seconds if you skip ahead. <laughs> um, but his character dies in it in the second, I think it's the second season. So like mm-hmm. it, it feels a little deja vu-y because it's so close to that. But man, I'm just right. browsing his IMDb. I mean, I he's not in a lot of stuff I've seen. Really? 
So for me, um, I mean, he's he's in Marley and Me. He was the chief in um, Steve Carell's Get Smart movie. I think he was really oh, good yeah. in that. Um, I, but for me, like the first thing that I saw him in was when he plays Bill with Nona Ryder's dad in Edward Scissorhands. Ah. He's just kind of this like suburbanite, goes right. bowling all the time, you know, dad that is kind of part of this like, it's weird because Edward Scissorhands is a movie that like takes place out of time. Like there's no clear handle on on what era exactly it's set in. Um, but he just nailed, like, he's just so good in it. He's just, like, awkward and and that dad that's sort of out of touch and is old-fashioned and not, you know, I, he's just so good. But that was the thing about Alan Arkin, was the guy was so versatile. Like, you could put him into anything in any role, and he was capable of doing it. Right? You want him to play like a goofy halfwit, whatever? Okay, perfect. You want him to be a villain? Great. He can do it. Yeah, so good. You're looking at his IMDb. Is there anything else that jumps out at you there? Uh, I mean, he voiced someone in The Rise of Gru. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen hardly any of these. Marley and Me. He was somebody in Marley and Me. Was, it was really played, funny for me. He, he shows up as Muppets. <laughs> yeah, he shows up as Rance Holloway, um, sort of a in in the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. There, throughout that whole film, there's like a magician. There's like this this iconic older magician. Oh yeah, yeah. There he is, the Burt, Burt Wonderstone. Yeah, and then they show up and they find him, and he's in like this hospital bed, and he's this old man. And he's just, like, completely lost his mind. Like, he's just a, a total loon. And it was just so funny. Like, he's just, yeah, really, 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 truly incredible actor. Um, and it sucks, man. It sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't know why this Alan Arkin one is hitting me harder than than some of the others do. But, yeah, it just really blows. Really I normally blows. don't get too... I, I would I would say I don't get emotion too emotionally attached to actors. So when they pass on, it's like oh shoot for me. It doesn't really hit me at all. Just because I mean, there's got to be some exceptions, right? Like when Robin Williams passed away. Even that? No, I just everybody was blindsided. I, I mean, it was it was a shock. Sure, it was like oh wow, sh- okay. But like I didn't I didn't get choked up. Like, I don't have a personal connection with these people, even right. though I have a personal connection with, or I would say I have an invested, I wouldn't say personal, I have an investment in characters they've played, potentially. So so if Arnold Schwarzenegger dies tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. He's dead. Really? Yeah. I don't, I, Interesting. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, he's not my friend, <laughs> right? right? He's not, he's not my buddy. I don't have any, I don't have any mem- real memories of him outside of characters he's played i don't know these people 
So I don't get choked up when, when they pass on. Like it's not. So if I died not, tomorrow, that I mean that'll that'll be a really hard couple of weeks. <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> Looking at the calendar, ah, I really have a busy August. So let's get this grieving done and out of the way, and never think or miss him Move ever again. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm um yeah. I just I guess. I separate. I'm easy. I, I easily separate myself from these people as individuals because yeah, that's I fair. Don't, I don't know them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. As much as I, as much as people like to think they know these people, and no, yeah, uh, and, I and think say that they quote unquote love them. They're, they're mm-hmm. they, they they have no idea. You got no idea who these people are. No, right. I think it's more of the loss of the idea that like. You that's oh, it. it. That's it. That's yeah. a bookend it's, on your career, and sad. we're not going to see you it again. It is sad. It's sad for the people that did know these people and were friends with these people. Oh, of course. But for me, it's just a it's a loss of of an idea rather yeah. than a loss of something important to me. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I I get that. I can get behind that. That makes sense. All right. Moving on to something a little more cheery, um, at least for one film over the other. Uh, There's a Barbie movie coming out. And I got to tell you, when they first announced this Barbie movie, when I first heard of this Barbie movie, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I, I don't know. I'll probably never see it. It's like making a movie about a, the slinky. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll probably never watch that. I don't know. It's a, a yeah, movie based on a toy with not a lot of story based around. I guess there's quite a few cartoons and books, but I mean, oh, pretty sure. shallow because they're kids shows and stuff. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of meat then, on the bone. And then we saw images released. We saw what Margot. Well, we saw we heard casting. Right, that it was going to be Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling and Simu Liu and um, uh, Will Ferrell's in this. I'm not a Will Ferrell fan, but it, it, from what I've seen in the trailers, I think he might actually be good in this. Um, like, I liked him in the Lego movie. I don't dislike all Will Ferrell, but he's just not a lock-in for me like he yeah. is for... He's hit or miss for me as well. Yeah. He's, he's got some like real charming, really amazing uh, stuff, but then there's also stuff he's done that's just a huge turnoff. <laughs> yeah. Then that first trailer dropped, and I was like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> like, huh. Poo poo on me for doubting because. <laughs> That looks like it could actually be really funny and really like fun, cheeky and self-aware and fun. Yeah. And every time a new trailer has come out since then, I have watched it and thought, oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. This is this is really going to be something neat. Another film that's coming out that I've watched the trailers for, and I think, ooh, this looks really interesting, and I cannot wait to see this, is the new Christopher Nolan film, Oppenheimer. I'm a, I'm a 
Killian Murphy fan. And he's he's the lead in that. Yeah. And and I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited for it. Now, had you asked me, and they're both opening together. Now, had you asked me, head to head, if you'd asked me months ago, who will win the box office that weekend? Who's going to have a bigger opening? Absolutely, it's going to be Oppenheimer. Right? It's yeah. it's it's a more serious film. It's a Christopher Nolan film. Isn't um is Matt Damon in Oppenheimer? Yeah. Yeah, so Matt Damon like I don't know. I hands down, I would have said at least by some degree Oppenheimer's going to win that weekend. It's going to be the bigger, more successful film. It's, it's freaking Christopher Nolan. Now, that doesn't mean a lot for me, but I understand for others, that's a big deal. Well, Oppenheimer is currently tracking for a $40 million opening weekend. Now, that's not awful, but it's not great. It's not, it's not record-setting. It's not something to write home about. Barbie is tracking for a 70 to $80 million opening weekend. Twice the box office of Oppenheimer. And this is just crazy to me. Like, and, and now that I've seen all the Barbie trailers, I get it. Because as we were talking earlier, this Barbie film looks like a love letter to all of the fans of Barbie, to the people who grew up, to the people who own the toys, the, the yellow plastic rollerblades, like whatever. This is the, you know, the Barbie dream car, whatever it is. This movie looks like a massive love letter to Barbie fans. It also looks like a good movie. <laughs> like it also yeah. looks funny and entertaining and and whatever else yeah it also has and a I, wider audience because it's not it R-rated. has a much wider audience and i'm interested in oppenheimer but i've also shown up op- the oppenheimer trailer to a couple of people who have been like oof i don't know if i can watch that not because they're like oh it looks terrible just because like it looks heavy looks like a hard film to watch because of the subject matter yeah. And I mean, even Christopher Nolan, as he did an interview or, or, you know, gave some information on some test screenings that they've done. And he says, people leave the theater in tears. People leave the, the theater sobbing. No, it's very serious content matter, right? Like, yeah. They're not telling so, a- <laughs> So either way, I don't know. I it, it ultimately this doesn't surprise me anymore. Like I said, had you asked me months ago, who's going to win the box office that weekend? Uh, hands down, Oppenheimer. Hands down. But it looks like Barbie is going to trounce Oppenheimer. Um, so that's uh, that's a thing. 
that's a thing. Carl, does this surprise you? Are you surprised that Barbie is not only going to beat out Oppenheimer, but they're going to mop the floor with them? Um, I, th- and I think it makes uh, sense. Yeah. Are, and are you in, like, I mean, what is your interest level for these two I think, films? I think, I mean, I don't have a real interest in either one, but uh, I think the real winners here are are just us as as people who enjoy films because social media has dubbed the weekend that they open Barbenheimer. <laughs> yeah, anytime you get like one I of those that, Hollywood article you names. linked me and oh man, I'm I'm losing it. This is so good. Barbenheimer. <laughs> Barbenheimer. It's Barbenheimer. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. It's funny. Now, the moment. The moment we've all been Can waiting for, not only it? in this episode, but like for a hot second, we've been waiting for this freaking moment. The speculation is over. We now have our castings for Superman and Lois Lane in not only James Gunn's upcoming Superman legacy, but in the DCU as a whole. And this is official. Like, this is like James Gunn is like, hey, these are the people. Have at it. Our new Superman is David Corensweet and Rachel Brosnahan is Lois Lane. Now, who the hell is that? I know who she is. She's uh, a lot of people know her right now because of um, the marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, and I, and I've seen the first season of that, and it she's she's great in it. So yes, and I can and definitely see her as Lois Lane. Easily. She is perfect, Lois Lane casting. Yeah. Perfect, Lois Lane casting. David Cornsweet, on the other hand. Um, I was less familiar. I had to start looking up. I was like, have I seen him in something? Is this one of those guys that I've seen in like a dozen things and I just nope. never knew it was him? Like, what's the... No. He's an, he's a relatively, pretty much, completely unknown. Yep. Which I have zero issues with. Yeah, me too. Zero issues. Because... A lot of people would like to look at this and go, oh, he's not in anything. He's not very good. Like, what do you, he can't act. I mean, you seriously think that James Gunn hasn't, his vetting process for finding the new Superman, so rigorous. It's got to be, yeah, it's got to be insane. <clears throat> right? People put less effort into figuring out who they're going to get married to and spend the rest of their life with then James Gunn is put into tracking down and, and making sure he's happy with who Superman is. Um, I will say this, though. And there's been, because there's so many in the last couple of days, ever since this was announced, there's been a lot of fan composites online, some fan art of, of what he might look like in the suit. And some people are picking the most ridiculous, worst photos <laughs> Of him. And it's like, okay, agenda much? Like, clearly what you're trying to push with this image is that he's a poor choice. In the article I sent you, in the Variety article, which is the one that that sort of broke this, 
I, he looks like Superman to me. The headshot you're talking about? Yeah. 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 With the purple background? That looks like Superman to me. Yeah. He's definitely like just Googling his name and then looking at images. <clears throat> There's lots of stuff here. Like he's <clears throat> he's not like jacked. He's not like a massive build, which I think is fine. Like yep. Superman isn't strong because he's got big muscles. Because he's of muscle because mass. Because he's Kryptonian and he gets his strength from our sun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it plays better if he doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or The Rock. And they've right? done. Like he should. You know what? He should look very physically fit. Yes. But not. But like I think athletic more than um, bodybuilder. Yes, and because they've done it with a couple of, like, the CWs, and I mean, again, these are just TV shows, how ripped are you really going to get for, you know, showing up as Superman and Supergirl for a couple of episodes, but any time that they've done TV show versions of Superman in the in the last 10, 15 years, um, it's been kind of a smaller guy. Well, even Christopher Reeves wasn't Yeah, he wasn't massive. a big guy. Right, George Reeves had a little bit of pudge, and it didn't matter. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think he's for sure he's going to hit the gym. Yeah, like he's going to get bigger. But I don't. If he doesn't get a lot bigger, I'm I'll I'm be okay with sleep. it. No, I, I'm I'll be more okay interested to see him. Like we've talked about before, how like uh, Superman, or have we talked about how? When they test for Superman, you've got to put on the Christopher Reeves suit, or have I just seen stuff? Um, I know that that's what Henry Cavill did. I don't know if that's that's the story Henry Cavill is told. That when you when you put on the suit, when you when you get hired, you have to put on the suit as kind of like the Christopher Reeves Superman suit. Right, it's kind of like the final testing. Because if you look good at that, then you'll look good in the one, the, the better in, suit in that anything. we're going to make for you. Yeah. yeah. So I would be interested to see him in that suit. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah, yeah. Because like there's there's pictures out there, I think, of Henry Cavill in it. And, and you yeah, know what? You don't laugh at it. <laughs> I've seen some, I've seen some composites of, of David in, you know, in like a Superman suit. And some of them obviously have been like a lot of people are just lazy and they're putting them in the Henry Cavill suit. But I've seen several now that uh, that I really like, like really, really like. And some of those have the red undies. And I'm surprised. Because I was the type of guy that was like, nah, you know what? That's something that just didn't age well into the films and blah, blah, blah. And it was good that they ditched the undies for for Henry Cavill's Superman and don't bring him back and blah, blah, blah. I think there's a way to do it right, man. Probably. I, I wouldn't do it. I think it. it can be done. I think it can be <clears> done. <throat> the question is, if they bring them back for Superman, do they bring no. them back for no, Batman? No, 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 no. Shut up. <laughs> Come on. No, because no, because I think <laughs> I mean in order in order to in order to do it, you're committing to not a black suit for Batman. You're committing to either 
the the well, you're committing to a gray suit, gray or a navy, yeah. Um, and then is it gray with the black undies or is it gray with the blue highlights? And I don't know. I mean, we don't know. James Gunn could do anything. Um, I doubt. And then you're also kind of committing to, to more to Robin of the sp- with the undies too. Yeah, and you're also you're also committing to Batman with a spandexy suit. Oh man, uh, which I get is kind of what we got with Ben Affleck initially. Right, yeah, kind of. Like that first it, it Ben was still Affleck suit, armored ish, but yeah, it looked like. But it definitely had some stretchy, stretchy material to it. So yeah. yeah, yeah, hard to say. But anyways, those that's it. Those are our castings. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm sold. I'm now satisfied. I'm shocked. I'm and this is the thing because I was like, all right, because last week we talked about we're like, man, you gotta you gotta if you DC you gotta you know really drop the mic. At Comic Con, and my thought was, okay, well, they're you know, they'll probably give us the new Superman. And then when they gave us the new Superman a couple of days ago, I was like, oh, good lord! Then what are you going to give us at Comic Con? We're going to get our new Batman. We're going to get this is our Wonder Woman. Like, what what are you going to do at Comic-Con if you've already just now given us Superman? Like, holy crap, let's ramp this up. Here we go. And the answer is nothing. You're not going to give us anything at Comic-Con. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I which is fine. Which is fine. But this is exciting news. Um, and it's it's been encouraging to me because I've read through over the last couple of days, periodically, I've read through several comment sections on Facebook posts. And yes, there are, there's a lot of crybabies right now. There's a lot of people, Henry Cavill forever. (laughs) You did him dirty. You shouldn't have fired him. Well, they didn't fire him. They didn't. But, uh, it was just a lot of people, right? However, I would say 55 to 60% of what I'm seeing is people looking at this casting going, this could be really good. Yeah. And it, it just warms my heart that there is that much. And it feels like it's been a while. It feels like it's been a while since there's been a big casting decision made like this that has received that kind of a ratio of support. Because mm. normally, like with with Robert Pattinson, with, you know, any of these, I mean, with Heath Ledger, it was, it was like the, the five percenters. The five percenters were there saying, no, this is going to be really great. I'm excited. And everybody else was like, dude, it's cool to hate. Cool to hate. And so I, yeah, yeah, my heart's been warmed. My heart has been warmed by seeing people jump on board yeah. with this. You mentioned the Comic-Con thing. I, for, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about it. I did read an article that was speculating the reason a lot of these cinematic uh, companies aren't pers- pursuing going to something like Comic-Con is kind of in solidarity with the writer's strike. 
Yes. Which I have, I don't know. There's, there's no, there's nothing confirmed for that. It's really just speculation. There is some mm-hmm. merit to it, but at the same time, I don't know if these studios would, would do that out of solidarity, <laughs> you know, like yeah, the studios know. more interest you studios would tend to be, and are usually, and should be more interested in the bottom dollar slash keeping their stakeholders happy than mm-hmm. a writer's guild. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm hesitant to believe it, but it's, it's considering they're all backing out. There's, I think there's also merit there. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. Hard to say. All right. That's the news. That's it. That's all that, of it, man. That's all. That's it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Thank you for wa- watching, listening. Yeah, whatever you did. I don't know. I don't know how Thank they you watched for- us. If they'd watched us, that's pretty friggin' creepy. That's a little weird. Thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing. I'm doing my old YouTube thing. Why am I? Make sure you check out all of our <laughs> social medias below. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's a great way to stay on top of uh, what's going on. Also, our Patreon page, little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, but more importantly, you get some fun perks headed back your way, like exclusive videos only available to our Patreon members, as well as increased voting power uh, when Pete and I put our future of film viewing in your hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, also... We have a merch page. Yeah. Do you, do you own any merch yet, Brady? I just opened I just opened a message from you. And yeah. uh it, it and it's a picture. And you're wearing a movie man shirt. Hey, I'm wearing a movie man shirt. Like a I movie got man mine. baseball team. Do we do we still do this? Do we still like I got this shirt when I signed up for Patreon. Is that still a if thing? If you sign up if you sign up for a high enough tier, yeah. Yeah, yeah you we, get some free merch, some merch if you sign up for Patreon. Wow, free, you, get, you, get, you get stuff, like the voting stuff that Brady was talking about, and you also get physical stuff. Yeah, like merch. stuff, stuff, and more stuff. Yeah, yeah. so Patreon and merch So make sure people. you check that out. Get the merch, yeah. get the Patreon. And then check out, uh, you know, just all of our previous episodes. We've got uh, over 300 of them. Lots of stuff to to enjoy and and jump into there um as well as all of the stuff that we have coming up uh the indiana jones style of destiny review it's like right around the corner carl and i are working through our secret invasion stuff right now and pete and i are about to review the film fern gully really fern gully yeah Yeah, one by a landslide have i seen that what were the other voting options there uh mighty duck for that one i voted for mighty ducks yeah yeah uh, Beethoven and uh, Captain Ron. I don't think I've it's seen like a Martin Fern Short. Gully. Martin Short. Fern Gully won with a landslide. Really? Landslide. Over Beethoven? I Over would assume it would have been between Beethoven and Mighty Ducks, just because those Can were like I tell the two you big something? ones from my youth. I'll tell you something, and I'm shocked. Beethoven was dead in the water. Really? Yeah, I mean, it got some votes, but it was like 
didn't barely got out of the gate. <laughs> didn't fare well at all. Yeah, How did Mighty I was Ducks shocked. Do? <laughs> uh, Mighty Ducks was second place. Ah, oh, so close. Yeah. yeah well, man. I mean, it was still it was still a landslide, so not really, but <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, sure, yeah. whatever helps you sleep at night. It does help me sleep at night. <laughs> that's that's that is why I was put on this earth. <laughs> Did you pick Mighty Ducks for the vote? No. Uh, or was that no. Pete's? That was Pete's. Uh, well, maybe yeah. Pete and I will have to watch it. And <laughs> Yeah, you should, because I've never seen poo-poo it. Poo-poo on Ferngully. I've never seen Ferngully. <laughs> yeah. I, neither Pete or I have seen Ferngully yet. How did it end up on the vote? Because Pete... I, we're, I'm going to deep dive into it in the Ferngully episode. Okay, we won't get into it then. I'll let yeah. you guys you guys save it yeah. for your, your hash thing. it out. Yeah.